1: It is time for another edition of Mixed Shots, and it's very active at Ford Center at the Star in Frisco. Training camp practice went a little long today, Mickey. It's they went past ten o'clock this morning.
2: They did. And, they mocked, uh, made it to about ten twelve, I think. I wrote down.
1: Yeah, and so uh, you can tell they're they're getting closer and closer to the start of this regular season, which is two weeks from Sunday. Cowboys will be playing in that new stadium in Los Angeles against the Rams on September 13th. Everson, how are you doing? I'm
3: doing fine this morning, sir. I, uh, I'm doing a little bit better than the, than the entire sports world. We've had a little shakeup that we need to talk about this morning, but uh, otherwise, I'm in good shape.
1: Yep, and uh, we'll get into that. Uh, Mickey, anything of note that you saw on the practice field? Because the Cowboys, we should point out, as Mike McCarthy said at his uh, press conference at 7.15 this morning, the Cowboys have uh, have already had talks and will have future talks today about the things that Everson is talking about, but they were out on the practice field, uh, and they got completed at 10:12 precisely, Yep, right the man? Cowboys
2: did uh, practice. I, I noticed there was about a half a dozen teams that decided uh, today not to practice, uh, but the Cowboys uh, went through with their uh, regular routine uh, indoors again, or the first part for some of the guys outdoors, and then they moved indoors, and uh, a lot of individual drills, a lot of just uh, position drills uh, and then they team uh, team type stuff for about forty five uh, minutes situational things built uh, you know first and ten, second and four, third and two, fourth and eight, things like that. So maybe some of the stuff we'll see uh, in the scrimmage on Monday. So it's, Um, But yeah, it was, um, you know, another really good practice. And they they finished off with another kicking session. Um, Didn't have an official under the goalpost this time, uh, but it looked like Zerline went six for six. I only saw one that was kind of, huh, did that go in? But all the rest were kind of right down the middle. So if he made all six of them again, he would have been 24 for 24. So guys, uh, McCauley, he spoke to him briefly, and they called out Joe Looney, and Joe Looney stood while all the players knelt, uh, and he addressed the team, and I'm assuming uh, he addressed the team about what took place uh, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, and then they all bowed their heads, and I can see he led them in a prayer, so uh, that was kind of a synopsis of, of what took place out here
1: and uh, i can also point out leighton van esch talking with the media uh, uh, he says to quote right now we're lined up to have discussions about it uh, during our team meeting this afternoon that's still to come so uh, that's going to be part of the team meeting and so Everson, you want to uh, jump in with uh, what what you're seeing. Of course, uh, as uh, all of you know of of, who have uh, not been buried in work here the last 24 hours, uh, it started yesterday afternoon with the Milwaukee Bucks uh, deciding not to play in their NBA playoff game at 3 o'clock yesterday afternoon, and within about a half hour after that, uh, the NBA had uh, Uh, postponed all the playoff games all three of them from yesterday Uh, there were three major league baseball games that were uh, postponed as well as uh, the wnba canceled their games yesterday and uh, uh, major league soccer as well Uh, there are several teams around the league who have elected not to practice uh, today Uh, so everson uh, weigh in on, on what you're seeing well, you know, one thing that uh, I
3: love is are the gestures. And, and these are, uh, that's exactly what they are. These are amazing gestures uh, that uh, really show a little bit of empathy that hadn't, hadn't been shown in any sport uh, in our history. And the thing that I, I, I like about it is uh, you've got all these other teams, all these other team sports that are participating in these gestures which is really, I think, an easy thing to do, easier uh, with a smaller roster. You know, you're talking baseball. You know, they only have about, you know, maybe 15, 20 guys that you have to deal with on the roster. Uh, basketball itself, maybe about 15 people that you have to worry about, WNBA and NBA. Uh, you're talking about soccer uh, a little bit more, but, but uh, even the individual sports, uh, such as tennis. Uh, one of the young ladies decided not to go forward with her semifinal match as well in tennis and decided to um, withdraw from participating. And see, these things are, are, are these are amazing gestures because it's affecting the money uh, that these people might get, that these athletes might be coming into. Uh, it can cost them a little bit of money. But when you're talking about football, you're talking about 55 players. And having 55 players on the same accord is really tough. I tried to do it back in 87 when I was a union rep. Failed miserably, I might add. Uh, all guys, they, they, you know, when it comes to football, it's a different breed in regards to the players, and it's also a different breed when it comes to the owners. They're much more staunch about taking care of business and, and trying not to let the outside world interfere. That is old school that's an old school remedy. Uh, now you've got the new school remedy to where you got to be a little bit more empathetic to what's going on. and I'm glad to see that. Uh, it's a shame what we saw in Wisconsin, uh, it's, it's, it's like a broken record now, really. I mean because you've got so much video out there uh, really hyping up the thing and, and, and the tragedy that ensued uh, from that. So it's just good to see that at least the players are aware of it. And you know we have to get out of this mode. I think we are of just worrying about. Well, it's just all about the sport. Or it's all about our institution. Every institution is touched by racism. Everyone, and that's including the Dallas Cowboys organization. Throughout history, that's the way it's been. So I'm just glad that things are being talked about and, and they're being uh, noticed by uh, these new, this new wave of athletes that are coming through. You know, Bill and Everson, I thought uh,
2: Mike McCarthy, he, he had a really good comment. He, he he said, you know, we we look to sports to escape the things that are going on, the, the pandemic, uh, uh, you know, the, the hurricane uh, that was hitting the coast of Louisiana and Texas. And he goes, but when it comes to this, he goes, we can't escape it. We just can't escape and not talk about it. And, and that's why, he pointed out that when they would have their meetings after practice, they would uh, talk about this and see what's going on. And and, and maybe this example or or this instance, what happened in Kenosha, kind of, gosh, it just highlights the problem of all the things that have been going on, right? And everything and all the protests and everything we've heard, and yet this policeman still did this. I mean does not not go through your mind when it in, in, in and it's hard to put yourself in his shoes on, on why he would make a decision to do that but you would think gosh you would check yourself right I I, I just don't get it and, and, and I think that is it just illustrates the depth of the problem out there
3: I have to say guys and. and- because you know we're, we're looking at this instance, and we, we're worried about how the police are looking at African-Americans and, and really looking at society. Being the policeman, man, it's a scary job. Let's just all recognize that. It is an extremely scary job. Uh, when you take that job on, you have to realize what your responsibilities are. You have to be a totally different person than what we are. You, you represent law you represent law and order and you have the gun and all the equipment that can enforce that. And so with that brings much responsibility. I mean, so much responsibility to where sometimes you have to sit back and take a breath and not just react so quickly to what I think is fear and and fear of the unknown. Uh, uh, And that lets you know just how disconnected the the, uh, police officers are from the community itself. So, you know, we we in America, we always try and put a Band-Aid on something before we fix the problem. We don't want to go all the way back and fix it. We're like, oh, that's too much work. Let's just start from here. Well, you can't can't put a a Band-Aid on something when it's an open wound, such as what we have here in America between uh, the policemen and the African American community. So these are things that have to be. Uh, uh, we have to be aware of. We have to. We have to go back and and start almost from scratch because the 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 uh, institutions, the law institutions, law enforcement institutions, they are being trained in a way uh, that has brought much confusion and much death uh, unnecessarily.
1: I've uh, been checking uh, Twitter for the news out of the NBA this morning. Uh, by the way, is it uh, the Board of Governors are meeting this morning and the players uh, as well? And they are uh, postponing games today, and they will re- they, they are working towards restarting the playoffs on Friday. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what will in essence be uh, a two days uh, worth of protests uh, here here in Dallas? That means the Mavericks game tonight against the Clippers is postponed until either Friday. Or, uh, Saturday uh, but I understand that the the meeting last night uh, and LeBron James and the Lakers as well as the, the Clippers and then Kawhi Leonard was leading the way there they were two teams that voted uh, in, a, in basically a poll of the teams it was obviously nothing binding uh, but they voted uh, not to resume the season to boycott the rest of the season but it uh, but they've decided now the the league has decided to continue on with the playoffs and do what they can uh, as far as enacting uh, some way to help with the social justice in America, uh, which is an ongoing thing for all leagues right now. What, uh, what do you anticipate uh, the Cowboys meeting this afternoon to be like? Could you, uh, I would imagine it would be something where uh, the coaches will uh, give the players all the time that they want in order to address whatever, whatever they would like to say, right?
2: Yeah, Bill, I think you're exactly right. I think Mike wants guys to basically speak up, uh, get their feelings, let them say uh, what they feel like they need to say. Uh, and then again, you know, as, as Everson said, you know, you've got 80 guys out there and not everybody's going to agree with everything. But I think if you uh, have an open forum for guys to talk and just, you know, get your feelings out there uh, and then go forward. Um, but uh, it, it, it appears, you know, they were all in today in the practice. I, I get that. Um, it, it didn't look like everybody was, you know, just not, was disinterested. So, yeah, we'll see where it goes. And like I said yesterday, by the time they finished their, basically, their walkthrough, Uh, and their meetings, and then they were on their own, as he said, when they left for dinner, and then that's kind of when everything hit. So they really didn't have an opportunity as a team uh, to address it. Uh, And then when you start practicing, guys getting ready at 7.30 in the morning, uh, I I think they basically said, okay, let's practice, and then we'll talk about this uh, after the practice.
3: And and i got to say, guys, this is, you know, I I keep comparing it to the 87 strike because it's about – work stoppage and really that's that's uh the bottom line when it comes to this the decisions that they make uh it, the, the the example is just like here in america uh as a society the examples have to come from the top the proper example on how to deal with this has to come from the top you can't have a mixed message coming from the coach and then you have the 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 owner saying something else or acting in another way. So uh, when you talk about work stoppage in 87, the team that stayed together the best in 87, after the strike, uh, after we resumed work, after the work stoppage in 87, uh, was the Redskins. Their coach, Joe Gibbs, was famously known for telling the guys either you're all gonna be together or you're all not gonna be together. But whatever it is, it's going to be together. And in Dallas, we were, you know, we, were, we had uh, scabs going across. Our, all our superstars went across the line and, 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 and across the picket line. So that was really the beginning of the end for a lot of players and also for Coach Landry and that entire management organization uh, when it came to the 1987 strike. That was, we didn't know that we were dismantling ourselves with the decisions that we were making Uh, over at Valley Ranch at the time. So there has to be uh, coming together from management. That's including Coach McCarthy and including Jerry Jones in regards to how they deal with this. Because if you have a mixed message coming from the top, then it's just like what we've got here in America as a society. You're going to have a bunch of you know bungling idiots running around not knowing what the hell they're doing. Isn't that kind of ironic that back then the
2: Redskins were the model team, franchise, and now the situation they're in now. (laughs) Totally different. (laughs) What a difference 30-plus years makes, right? (laughs) And excuse me if I said Redskins, the Washington football
3: team, okay? Is that it? Washington football team.
1: Washington football team. There you go. You know, and and to that point, to Everson's point there, Mickey, um, Mike McCarthy, if you go back, you can go on DallasCowboys.com and watch his entire press conference, uh, breaking. I don't think I've seen a press conference where he just he didn't start off the press conference just asking for questions until right. today, and right off the top, uh, before he asked for any questions, uh, he commented on uh, what he was watching and what the team or the players have been watching the last 24 hours, and um, and clearly is uh, very bothered by what is going on. Of course, he. Uh, you know, has a home in Wisconsin. His family's up there, and um, and so it's it's hits close to home for for him, having been in uh, Wisconsin for the past uh, 15 years himself. But uh, larger picture, I, I think we're getting a, an idea. And more and more, with the new coach coming in, we're getting a better idea of some of the things away from coaching football, how to manage a team and how you're receptive to players. We're getting a better idea of why Mike McCarthy has been successful as an NFL head coach the last 15 years.
2: Well, you know what? And I thought we got another uh, example of that, that he's, uh, he's not tone deaf uh, on how he answered the questions. Uh, about uh, Earl Thomas you know, when everybody at the beginning of the week uh, start peppering him with those questions and, and I thought the key and, and while he straddled the fence like you know he wasn't going to say yay or nay but at, I thought the key thing he said and this goes to kind of what you're talking about Bill he understands the importance of the locker room and he said at the end of the day no matter what else happens my focus as a head coach has to be on the locker room. So basically what he's saying is, if you're going to bring in a guy that's been on two teams now and things have gone badly, can he fit into my locker room? And regardless of how good a player he was, I thought that was his emphasis. And I thought, again, as you were saying, Bill, talking about the team and the players, uh, not just A body to bring in and play football Uh, and to him that was probably the more important thing uh, than anything else.
3: i tell you what though, uh, if you think of the comparison between the coaches now versus the coaches back in 87, you know you're looking at an entirely different group of players, group of coaches. You know Tom Landry would not even want to be bothered with anything like this. Which he was never one to be bothered with anything that didn't have something to do with football. That is the old school way. Tom Laddie was born, of course, back in the '40s or, or whatever. So you're looking at a different mentality these days, not just from from coaches, but also from fans. You know, the NFL and, and all of sports, they're going to lose a lot of fans because you've got old school fans that are like, look, I tuned into mix shots. Just to talk just to hear football talk. I don't want to hear anything else I'm so tired of watching the videos which I am as well so tired of watching the videos and all the arguing and, and you're, 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 you're bringing you're mixing society with sports well you were never supposed to separate the two let's just be real about it because life goes on when those players leave the field and as social media and all of this you know starts to, 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 to flourish, it does mud the issue a little bit because now you have to worry about things other than sports. As a matter of fact, sometimes what's going on, those other things, they are more important than sports. So as much as you're going to lose a lot of uh, fans in regards to this, this new way of sports and new way of looking at athletics, you're also uh, going to gain a lot of fans that were staying away from sports because it was so myopic.
1: You know, and then the other part of that is, if 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 there are issues, uh, no matter what it is, that are impacting uh, the majority of the players on your team, then that affects your team, and you and you have to uh, you have to get a handle on that. You have to address it. And we never we never did back in the '80s. That just wasn't.
3: And I'm not just talking Cowboys. I'm talking just all the right. sports. We never want to deal with anything outside of sports as much as it was affecting us all when we went home away from our arenas.
1: All right. We're just getting started on this edition of uh, Mixed Shots, and uh, we're going to preview what's coming up this weekend. We've got uh, a practice, Cowboys night at AT&T Stadium on Sunday that you will actually be able to look in on. We'll be a part of that. And uh, much more coming up on Mix Shots here in just a moment.
0: Hey there, Cowboys fans. With Tide Cleaners at-home pickup and delivery, cleaning your clothes has never been more convenient. Back, back, back to Mick shots.
1: Looking for something to change up your dinner routine? Well, help is on the way. Help support local Frisco businesses by choosing one of the Star District restaurants. For information on delivery, takeout, curbside pickup, and dine-in availability, visit thestardistrict.com. Mickey, are you taking advantage of the uh, Star District restaurants and takeout and that sort of thing as you're back at the Star? I haven't uh, done any takeout here.
2: And as for sitting in a restaurant and eating, I don't think I've done that since, like, March
3: 13th. (laughs) (laughs) I have taken advantage of it, uh, people. Uh, My Mm -hmm. wife, myself, my daughter, and my business partner. We went to the star area and we ate some good food. We had a great time, great conversation. My wife was starving for some social interaction. So I had to take her out there. We wouldn't even let the, the waitress didn't even have time to serve people because we kept just monopolizing her time because we hadn't talked to anyone outside of our own household. So yeah, I understand not going i understand not wanting to go but we couldn't take it anymore we just had to go we had a great time too had a great time
1: yeah. all right mickey uh, tell us about practice today let's go in depth with uh, what you saw what what stood out for you at practice this morning
2: you know it 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 always seems to happen this way and, and everson probably experienced this it's like injuries are like a disease they attack one part of the team and then it goes and attacks another part of the team right so the Cowboys were having problems at uh, on the offensive line with both uh, Tyron Smith and Lael Collins uh, and by the way their presumptive swing tackle Cam Irving uh, were all missing practice all last week and the beginning of this week well at least today uh, Tyron Smith and Lael Collins uh had their uniforms on their helmets and pads and they did individual drills uh before they left to go do their rehab drills cam irving actually got back into team practice for the first time today now the last couple practices this week uh, he was at least out there in individual drills and today was the first time he actually participated in uh, in team drills, so they had him lined up basically at left tackle, taking Tyron's spot. Uh, but at least those guys look like they're getting closer. Well, with that happened, now the attention went to the cornerback position. Uh, <laughs> Chidobe Awuzie on—get uh, my days confused. Monday, uh, he uh, looked like he suffered somewhat of a leg injury. He tried to go on Tuesday. Uh, and after a couple individual drills he pulled out so today he basically was on the uh the the cords outside uh at the resistant cords and was rehabbing and he didn't do anything jordan lewis is still out uh with uh, the ankle injury he suffered the previous week and mike mccarthy had said that he probably would miss this entire week they were hoping to get him back and then Having uh, the last two practices, they were using Daryl Worley and the, the rookie Reggie Robinson at, at safety. They were down to five corners today. So those guys got a pretty good workout out there. But, you know, at least for guys like Deontay Burton and Chris Westry, uh, they were getting a whole lot of snaps that they probably wouldn't have gotten. So the cornerback position was a, was a little bit stretched thin. And then, going back to the offensive line before they even got into team practice they were just doing these individual drills where you would come off the line and just kind of meet a guy across the uh, across from you mitch hyatt went down and they ended up carting him off with what looked like an apparent what? right knee injury yes so oh my God. Uh, and he was a guy that was helping out with the depth uh along with brandon knight and Gosh, it, it was another practice. Basically, it, it was an all comers meet with the defensive ends at Dak Prescott. They, they <laughs> just can't block those guys. And, and you know, you're going to read that. Uh, you know, Trayvon Diggs or no, it was uh, uh, Ha Ha Clinton Dix had an interception. Well, what happened was Dak would have got sacked, right? And then he just kind of threw the ball up, and he overthrew the uh, – it was one of those Larry Brown interceptions, right? He, he got beat, but the ball flew over the, the wide receiver's head and went right to him, you know? So Ha-Ha uh, so, so was the MVP of practice Oh, well, I'm today, sure he's going to be player of the day for somebody, and it's like, okay <laughs> – but let's put some context into the interception. Um, You know, and yeah, they were just having trouble, you know, blocking and uh, there was a couple times, you know, a couple plays in a row where Demarcus Lawrence, you know, zipped by uh, Terrence Steele. Uh, I mean, they've got guys back there that, I don't know if they're gonna make the team, but they've got, they're kind of forced to work with the first team. So uh, that that was somewhat uh, problematic out there uh they they did work uh they did have a session where they worked uh, a lot on the on the run game uh, somebody early in the week uh told mccarthy it doesn't look like zeke's going to touch the ball because you don't really run the ball in practice and you know they're practicing in segments and so today was a little bit more uh run oriented i thought tony pollard had another day and um, keeping an eye on this Rico Dowdle. He's really getting some opportunities and maybe push the envelope a little bit if they decide to keep three running backs. I don't know that they will, uh, and I don't know that they'll keep a, a fullback, uh, uh, but the, the kid from uh, uh, TCU, Olinolua.
1: Did I get okay, it? Okay, the fullback. Yes. Shewo Olinolua. Say it again, again, Bill.
3: Say it again, Shiro, Bill. Shewo Olinolua. <laughs>
2: He actually, uh, on I think on Tuesday, they did a little goal line, Monday or Tuesday, and uh, he, he got, as Skip Pete said, the running back's coach, he said he got a couple good strikes in there, meaning blocks, uh, and he had a nice run today on a fourth and short. so I like uh, him a lot. I yeah, like I, I think he's versatile, um, and, and, and as long as he, you know, and, log, and here's the hard part, you guys. A lot of this stuff for these backups that I'm talking about, it comes down to special teams. They're not going to have any live special teams till september 13th so it's kind of hard to prove yourself that hey i'm a good special teams player when you're just doing special teams drills out there because they're not lighting anybody up
3: well i'll tell you what the accelerated pace uh is just like i talked about last week it's it's uh proving out to have accelerated uh, injuries as well it seems like spags uh because you've got all of these different groups that are being affected uh some of them it's just a matter of timing Uh, when you're talking about an ankle injury from jordan lewis uh, that's just a matter of not really having your 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 upper body uh in in congruence with your lower body i mean that's just really about balance and, and, and in regards to your own body and that's kind of those those injuries that you're going to see a lot of the muscle injuries that you're going to look at those are all about just really not being in shape, and your your your, uh, your tendons are not really prepared for this change in pace that your body has been accustomed to throughout the off season, and uh, even with the defensive backs, I think with Awuzie, uh he made he he was injured making an interception. Am I right? Uh, I believe it did happen at that point. Yes. Well, I'm pretty sure his body was kind of allergic to making plays like that. So, you know, uh, those are the kind of things that you, you're going to have to deal with. You know, he's, he's looking back for the ball now. I don't think his body is accustomed to his head turning and looking for the ball. But I, I love the, the effort. It looked good. He, I saw that uh, on video. And, of course, he would come up. You know, it didn't look like he was limping at the time, but he came up a little lame at the time. Uh, but I, I hope that doesn't discourage him. From trying to make more plays on the ball, let's 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 pray that he doesn't do that. You know, and I thought, I noticed one of the things to try to not tire
2: these guys out, like they're rolling guys in and out. It, it's a huge rotation, and it's like when they when they have like the first team off, what looks like the first team offense out there, and if they run a a, a pass pattern and the receivers are downfield, they don't they don't wait till those guys come back. They get in the huddle and there's another three receivers in uh, and he's rolling same thing with the the linebackers the defensive line they're rolling guys in and and the pace is pretty quick but it's quick with different guys I don't know how they keep track of how all the guys are in and out uh, you know if this was hockey they would have too many men on the field but they have done a pretty <laughs> good job of having 11 on 11 and then they they've gone back to this old drill everson that i haven't seen the cowboys use it in a while they used to use it uh, jimmy used it i think switzer used it it's 11 on 9 where they don't use two defensive linemen on the backside uh, to basically make sure no one's getting rolled up on uh, and so that a lot of their practices You know, and and that was my concern about the the pass protection. There's only two guys rushing, and they're still getting to the quarterback.
1: Yeah, but those those tackles, Mickey, they're not going to be playing in games starting September 13th, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, (laughs) Lil
2: Collins and Tyron Smith will, will be back out there. Uh, the, the hopes are that Cam Irving is the swing tackle. He's got some experience. He's played almost every position on the offensive line, I think, in, 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 instead of center. And, and speaking of center, uh, the rookie, Tyler Biotish, is, is really starting to come on. Uh, you know, it's too bad he didn't have preseason to get in games and kind of show him what he can do. Uh, but he, he's, he's a pretty tough little sucker in there. Uh, and I think from, a, you know, once he gets the recognition down, uh, I think he's going to be a pretty, pretty, good, uh, pretty good center for the Cowboys. How
3: about Tyron Smith? What is, what is his injury? Is it a recurring injury? Because when he goes down, our offensive line totally changes its entire character. Yeah, I think he had a tight hamstring. And that's
2: all you've got to hear, not a pull or strain. If it's tight on Tyron, it's like, OK, go sit over there. <laughs> we, <laughs> September thirteenth is what we're worried about, right? And the That's same right. thing with Lale Collins. He, he had somewhat of a, a tight back, I was told. Uh, and it was kind of a leftover from last year when end of the season he he was having some back issues. Uh, and it, it kind of flared up again uh, in the offseason before they even got here. Uh, and so they were just being very cautious with him too. Um, And and so knowing the Cowboys trainers and their mentality on this stuff, it's like, you know, you don't have to play a game on September 1st. you got to play a game on September 13th. Let's make sure we can get these guys to the game.
1: You know, you think about what the Cowboys are going through injury-wise at the tackle position, and um, this would be the third preseason game this weekend. And I would think uh, they probably, that first team offense, <laughs> you'd be uh, hard pressed to, to make that decision to send Dak Prescott and the first team offense out there to play an actual preseason game when you've got what you've got lining up at offensive tackle right now.
2: Oh, a- absolutely. You'd be calling a lot of running plays, I guarantee you. And it may not be handing the ball to 21 or 20 either. Uh, it would be a lot of quick, uh, lot of quick passes. Uh, but you know what? With the way they're doing it, they're giving some of these young guys, like today, um, John Vay Johnson, who had a really good training camp last year, and then when the preseason game started, he kind of faded away a rookie uh, wide receiver. Uh, And he had a nice day today. And another guy that's gotten more opportunities lately, uh, it was Noah Brown. And and Bill, you know, uh, I I, I got so tired of everybody wanting to talk about Noah Brown, and it's like, well yeah he's a good blocker well i don't want my wide receivers to be a good blocker i want them to be good catchers right well you know what i noticed that he dropped his his listed weight from last year to this year and and, and by the way the last two years he was on injured reserve uh with an injury and then they just kind of left him there because they wanted to keep his right, rights well he's dropped some weight he looks more like a wide receiver now than a tight end and he, he did look like a tight end faster. in previous years. He yeah, did look he just like a tight end now, yeah. and he's getting downfield and catching the ball. Uh, so to me, you know, we know who the top three receivers are, and, and, and then after that, Cedric Wilson has been really good, and Noah Brown's coming on. Uh, so uh, I won't pick on him if he can continue to play <laughs> like that. And you know, don't tell me he's a good blocker, okay?
3: Well, I tell you what, I, 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 these, this would be the uh, – this part of the training camp would usually be those dog days of training camp, Spags, you know where the monotony is just really getting to you, uh, especially to the veterans. But speaking as a, as a free agent, former free agent, uh, this was my time back in 81 to really make a difference in regards to the coach's eyes. My first drill, I got cursed out by Gene Stallings, after that, I start to make up for it. So these are the times, of the, the, the preseason games, where you get in and try to make a difference, and especially in practice. These are the times when a, a younger player, someone who wasn't as heralded as the other players uh, on his, on, that were drafted or signed along with him in his class, those, these are the times where you can make a difference and let the coaches see you. No special teams like you talked about, Spag, but when it comes to one-on-one, when you put me in there with a, with an entire team, or you put me in there on seven on seven, this is the time that I get to make a difference. And, and so I'm hoping some of the young guys really take advantage of this time. And like you're speaking of, some of these young, they are doing it, and some of them hopefully can surprise the coaches.
2: Yeah, one of the young uh, free agent rookie linebackers that has at least got his hand up in the air to say, hey, I'm here, uh, Francis Bernard. Uh, six foot 242 from from Utah. Uh, the guy's made some plays on the ball, and he, he, he keeps showing up. So even today, he got some extra snaps because uh, Luke Gifford, the free agent linebacker who made the team last year, uh, was not dressed out for practice. Uh, so he got to move up a notch. And, uh, it, it, and so there's an example of a guy getting uh, some more reps and an opportunity to do things and he would be a guy that if they were really doing special teams live I, I think he would show up uh, and that's how Gifford kind of got his name in the uh, you know kind of everybody to look at him last year because of some special teams things uh, he was doing so yeah there are some young guys because they're rotating guys so quickly and going so fast uh, they're getting opportunities so did, did they ask you to play special teams your rookie year
3: Oh, yes. I played special teams my entire career. All right. Uh, were you yeah, the First-team first punt return, first-team punt return, first-team field goal block, first-team punt. No, all of that. First-team punt return. I, I was on everything. I was leading the league in interceptions when I was still on the bench. And Charlie Waters and Dennis Thurman, they would make Mike Downs and myself practice every play. We were, We were the dummy squad as well, so... I can't tell Charlie Waters he's in the last of his career. Dennis Thurman, hey man, I need a break out here. They're like, okay, <laughs> we'll find somebody, but it won't be me. So yes, I was I was always that guy. You know the so funny the, thing now that that's funny you
2: say that because McCarthy made this comment. Maybe it wasn't McCarthy. I, you know what? I think it was Jim Tom Sula. Uh, he was talking about the rotation and all the guys getting in there, and he goes, "I I got guys fighting to go and get snaps." He goes, "I can't keep them out." You know, it's like he, And somebody said, "Well, will you fight them?" He goes, "Oh no, not at all." Uh, but he, he but he said, "That's the kind of guys I've got on that defensive front." <clears throat>
1: All right, we continue with talk, with big shots here in, in just a moment. It's about time somebody did that. <laughs> and uh, I wonder what, Mickey, what road Mickey wants to go down here in just a moment. I know what road I want to go down with Everson. I want to go back to a rookie wide receiver breaking into – the NFL, and what a veteran cornerback tries to do to him with Everson when we come back.
0: Hey there, Cowboys fans. With tight cleaners at-home pickup and delivery, What do you call a group of grown men and women who get together every week proudly wearing the star to share a three hour long ritual of cheering, shouting at the TV and raising their Miller Lite together while yelling, how about them boys? You call it Miller Time and Cowboys Nation. Here's to the only beer of the Cowboys celebrating 60 years of greatness. Here's to the original light beer. It's Miller Time.
1: If you can't find it, talk to your store manager and tell them Yo-Kiero, Yokiero, Guacamole. Back, back, back. to Mick Shots. Get the ultimate fan
2: experience for the Ultimate Cowboys fan. Join Dallas Cowboys United and get an exclusive DCU fan pack and member benefits. Membership start at only $20. Visit DallasCowboys.com slash United to join today.
1: All right, I want to get into uh, how difficult the transition is for a rookie receiver as a first-round draft pick coming into the NFL. How different is it for C.D. Lamb going up against NFL cornerbacks as opposed to, say, Big 12 cornerbacks or even LSU cornerbacks like he did in the uh, college football playoff uh, last year. And what uh, uh, as I'll set this up for you, Everson, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Michael Irvin was uh, interviewing CeeDee Lamb on the NFL Network, and he was reminiscing about his rookie training camp with the Cowboys and he said that there was a veteran cornerback by the name of Everson Walls who gave him fits during that first training camp, but he looks back on that as a great time for him because he had someone like Everson who basically taught him the ropes of how to try to get open in this league. Because, and so, Everson, what, did, what, did, what do you remember from those battles in training camp in Thousand Oaks in the late 80s?
3: Well, I think the backdrop on that was, you know, when we brought Mike in, as a team, we were headed downhill. There's no doubt about it. Uh, that was uh, Tom Landry's last year, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I don't think we didn't know it at the time, but but signing Mike uh, was just a, a big hype. And uh, I had never seen really a wide receiver talk so much trash who had never even been on the field yet. And uh, – <laughs> You know, but but I, I knew that he was you know he was going to be he was going to be around for a while. So, of course, you know I, I tried my best to make sure that he knew what it was going to be like. And uh, one thing you don't want uh, as a, a veteran, uh, defensive back who's you know already did all the things that I could do as a cowboy, uh, I can't let this rookie come in here and, and sh- show me. You know, I think he was like eight years my senior. Uh, my, I'm eight years his senior. And I couldn't let him come out here and embarrass me because, of course, when he lined up, everyone's watching. So I had to come out with my best stuff, Bill. You know, I I couldn't just jack him up at the line of scrimmage. I pulled out one of my best tricks of uh, what we call the bail technique. I would line up as if I'm going to jack him up, and then I would bail out and play a zone. Well, I used that disguise, uh, but we were still in man-to-man. So as I bailed out, uh, within five yards, I stood my ground, and so he thought I was going to continue to bail, but I, I met him within those five yards, and I met him with a lot of force. Uh, both he and I about the same size, so you're looking at, at two guys, you know, you're looking at a 6'2 DB and a 6'2 wide receiver really going at it. Uh, one thing that C.D. Lamb uh, will not be going up against, he will not be going up against in practice, is his all-pro defensive back. That's one thing he has to realize. So it's only going to get tougher as he gets into the season. Awuzier, good player. You've got good cornerbacks out there for the Cowboys, but if you're going to be you're going to be going up against some dynamic individuals. If I'm not, gonna not the, stay, first I'm about the first the game, the first yes. game, Jalen Ramsey. Yes, that's who you're going to have to deal with first game. And not only is he going to try and take your heart, he's going to try and demean you as he does it. So these are the things that I don't know if C.D. Lamb ever came up against. What he did against those DBs in the Big 12 and in in the NCAA, uh, he must look forward to some of those things being turned around and happening to him because he will have his embarrassing moments. Uh, Trust me, they will come.
1: Mickey, do you remember watching uh, Everson go up against Michael at training camp? Uh, Very vaguely, because I think that 88
2: training camp was, uh, I only spent a year at training camp that year. And after that, Tom didn't let us watch practice, by the way. That, that that was not going to happen once the season started, I guarantee you. Uh, and then uh, in 89, uh, now I was at training camp in 89, but uh, I think Mike matured a little bit by the time he got to that second year.
3: Oh, by the time he got to his second year, uh, I recall uh, he really impressed me. Uh, first of all, after his first year, he, he was hurt the entire season pretty much. Yes. And his first his, his his first game back was the last game of the season, if I'm not mistaken. It was. It was a And he toasted. Uh, they, he toasted uh, future Hall of Famer Dale Green was for a couple yeah. of touchdowns and almost 200 yards in receiving. So now he goes into the off season, and here comes his boy Jimmy and Jerry. And boy, you saw you saw his. Uh, his participation in practice and his his, uh, his level of aggressiveness, you saw that upped, it, it was even a, up another tick. And so that's when you start to see the Michael Irvin that you see today. Uh, his rehab was some of the most uh, uh, gruesome and, and, and just uh, tiring and intense uh, 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 activity. I've never seen anyone work so hard at coming back from that injury. And that continued throughout his entire Hall of Fame career. So it was just good to be a part of that because this guy was amazing.
2: Yeah, I didn't get a chance to cover that game against the, the last game of the season because you guys were on your way to what three and thirteen. <laughs> And
3: there was a. Yeah, there yeah, was a more worry, by, the, by the time that game was already set, I think I had my vacation plans already. <laughs> that, there was, the, was right. a more important <laughs> game going on in the NFC East, and they sent me,
2: the, the Dallas Times Herald sent me to another game to cover. They said, no, nah, we, we need you to do this. So I missed his kind of coming out party. Uh, and then in '89, I think it was five games into the season against San Francisco when he tore his ACL. Um, And by the way, his rehab, so this is funny, we were were both living in Carrollton at that time and our path to Valley Ranch was the same. And I remember one time, it was after his surgery, and it probably was early 90s, and I'm driving down Trinity Mills and uh, down the middle of the street, there wasn't a median there, it was the middle of the street, and I see this big guy on a bicycle, and I've never seen a seat so high on a bicycle, pedaling down the middle of the road. It was Michael pedaling to Valley Ranch, probably a good five or six miles, uh, part of his rehab that he was serious about in the offseason. I said, he's going to scare everybody, this big guy like that coming down the middle of the road. <laughs>
3: Well, you know Mike has to always be seen. Yeah, right. whether it's at Valley Ranch or out in the streets, that's just the way it was. So that was just the shape of things to come, Spag. Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> that was the way it was with Michael, and it is the way it is with Michael today. Uh, uh, all right, so how about uh, – Mickey, where do you think the Cowboys are at the safety position? Uh, because obviously the Ravens let go Earl Thomas earlier in the week. He, that's been in the headlines, whether the Cowboys – should be interested in Earl Thomas. What, what are you seeing at the safety spot, and, and should the Cowboys be interested in well, Earl Thomas?
2: Well, the, the sure thing at safety is Xavier Woods. They really like him, and he's played well. Uh, so he's won safety. Now, they've been rotating guys at the other spot. Uh, Darian Thompson's been getting a lot of snaps lately, uh, and, and so uh, they, they like him. Uh, Now where Earl fits in I think it's it's more than can this guy come in and play? I I think we probably know the answer that he can but again You would like a guy on your team that doesn't have as many Interceptions as he has fights in the locker room with his team (laughs) And that's two each from last year, right? So uh, You got to factor that in and then you know I've always said and I learned this and I'm sure Everson will agree with me when you're looking for personnel decisions who's playing who's going whatever I always said follow the money right so if you look at the situation he was in 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 Baltimore if if uh, if they don't get uh, win their grievance and get his base salary back which was a guaranteed 10 million now if he has 10 million in his pocket, then you know I might be able to get him for cheap because if I give him three million, he's made 13 million this year. But if the Ravens win that grievance and, and they get that money back, he's not gonna play for three million dollars. He wants his 10 million. Nope. And, and the other thing that stuck out to me on this whole thing is the Ravens discontent with him. They were so fed up with him they took a $15 million hit this year if they don't get that money back on, on the salary cap. It's dead money, and then 10 more next year to get rid of them. So that's how badly they wanted him out of the locker room. So again, talent, yes. Could he fit in? Yes, but would he fit into this locker room, and how much does he want to be a part of a team? And I think, how do you judge that yeah. until you have the guy here? So, to me, it's got to be a,
3: you know, you play, you get paid kind of contract. Hey, to me, this is just like a, a marriage in regards to, to uh, Earl Thomas and the Ravens. Uh, they already had underlying conditions. I mean, let's just be real about that. They've been having issues since he came up to uh, the Cowboys and, and to, to Jason Garrett. Uh, really campaigning for himself to come here so there's always been some issues between that organization and with Earl Thomas so that just continued Uh, I mean when you come into the locker room and you know that 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 condition is there you can feel it every time you come into the locker room so your attitude is going to depict what you're feeling at that time I felt it in 1989, you know, one in 15 team. I mean, you come in every day, every week is the same. We're losing, we're losing. Well, with Earl, with Earl Thomas, it wasn't that they were losing. I think he was losing the battle between himself and the organization. So there's still a loss there that you feel. There's still a rift there, and so that argument that he may have had with his teammate or whatever arguments he's having with management, that is something that was just that was just the tip of the iceberg. And let's just be real about that. They couldn't wait for this to happen. I'm sure he couldn't wait for it to happen either. So this is just the time to do it. It's just a matter of how you're going to split up the money, like you said, Spags. And regard, in, regards, in regards to him fitting in into the Cowboys locker room, you would hope that, that would look, you would look at that as a different relationship, just like a marriage, as I said. Hopefully this young lady might work out. And you might be more compatible with this young lady than you were with your previous wife. So that's just the only way you have to look at it. He may not come into to the locker room with the same attitude that he had in Baltimore because he might look at this as a totally different situation and a, and a better relationship. So that's something that the Cowboys have to figure out if they even have a chance to talk with Earl and see where his head is at in regards to his attitude coming into this locker room, leaving all of that baggage back in Baltimore. Yeah, I just think from a contract standpoint,
2: you've got to have a safety net in there uh, that you just can't guarantee him this amount of money, uh, and, and then something flares up like it did. Look, my, I read a story in the Baltimore paper, uh, and it was talking about before they let him go, their leadership committee or whatever they call it, uh, the top veteran guys, they got together and they basically said, "We want him out of here," and we're talking about a team that's got designs on winning a Super Bowl. And, and 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 if I remember correctly, he did get selected to the Pro Bowl last year, even though he only had two interceptions. And they said, "No, get him out of here," because the guy he cold cocked was one of the team leaders. Uh, it might have been even a team captain, uh, and and was a
3: good guy in the locker room. So. And Earl, Earl Thomas used to be part of the uh, the veteran right. council, so to speak. So that's how they they held him in high regard until these last few years, last couple of years. Well,
2: and, and see, and the same thing kind of wore out his welcome in Seattle. You know, now he wore his welcome out there. So, you know, I think you got to look look into that and, and, and figure out, okay, how much of a difference would he make uh, on this defense? Um, but – I tell you what, guys, when you look at this, this defensive line uh, and with the addition of uh, Everson Griffin and, and all those poor young tackles, they, they oh gosh, <laughs> I, I, saw one come, I saw one coming today where he, he's lined up at defensive end and he kind of rushes and he gets the guy to the outside and I'm going, oh, he's going to do a spin move and go inside, right? And there of was a huge hole, and of course he did, and he just went and he would have obliterated the quarterback, right? So uh, when you put him on that defensive line, and, and you've got guys like Alden Smith and Demarcus Lawrence, and then whoever you want the fourth guy in there, throw him in there, uh, they're going to create some problems, which is going to help out uh, your secondary. Uh, and, and so it, this will be an interesting deal with this defense, because... Uh, just knowing Nolan's background, he's going to be more aggressive. Yes, he is. Uh, and, and, and the thing everybody keeps talking about, the players, even the cornerbacks, is how they're disguising more of their coverages. It's like the coverages aren't that much different, but we're not showing our hand before we get into what we're really going to do. And and, and uh, even Dak. And they're hoping
3: it. that that pressure that they bring up front the quarterback will not have nearly enough time to decipher the coverage right and that's what that's what the that's the advantage of being more aggressive and more unpredictable and I think they're the linebackers are being more active
2: uh, in, in in their defenses and, and what they're doing so that's Mike Nolan style and I don't want to and I kind of said this the other day when I did uh, my segment on the fan I was saying you know unless that safety is kind of Darren Woodson, safety, I'm not paying them big money. I I just don't want to do that. And then I was thinking okay, I'm going to say this to Everson and he finished
3: his career playing safety. That makes no sense to me, (laughs) Spag. I I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) And
2: and so how about this? They go, oh, that's good that you told us that because we've got Woody tomorrow for an interview. We'll tell him Spagnola doesn't
3: value the safety position. Yeah, he's going to be a little upset uh, when you guys (laughs) sign on. (laughs) All right. When I when like I said
2: it, I meant it from a financial like where you allocate
3: your resources, right? Yeah, thanks a lot, Spads. Yeah, okay, I'm
2: that sorry, I'm not you costing you that money anymore
3: because you're really good on this show.
1: <laughs> All right, that does it for this edition of Mix Shots. And uh, again, the we got the Cowboys night at the stadium coming up. On Sunday, it starts at 5 o'clock here on DallasCowboys.com, uh, locally in Dallas-Fort Worth on TXA 21. And on TXA 21, by the way, on Sunday night after Cowboys night uh, at 8 o'clock, they're replaying Super Bowl 12, the Cowboys' win over the Denver Broncos. Yes. So we have that to look forward to this weekend as well. All right, thanks, Everson. Thanks, Mick. And we will see you again next week here on Mick Shots.